Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Back Pew. I've got something exciting uh, for today. I've got two friends, Dylan Bruce and John Couch, join us on the podcast today to talk about discipline, balance, and consistency in life, and how all those things play a role in our discipleship and our walk with Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the episode, and as always, like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with everything we've got going on here at the Back Pew. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. So self-control, this is important to me. When I was memorizing this passage, I realized it was fourth on the list. Yeah. We can't, we're not instantly, we don't have instant self-control. No, it takes time. It takes time. That is exactly <laughs> You're right. not added to the church one day, and then the next, it's like, okay, you better have complete control of yourself. Fired up. So we don't really have an intro. Uh, if you didn't notice, we kind of just started talking about whatever we want to talk about. So um, uh, tonight, what we will uh, introduce that we do have two guests on tonight. We have uh, Dylan Bruce of... Keller, Texas, and John Couch of Anaheim, California with us, both ministers. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, like you said, uh, Dylan Bruce from Keller, Texas. I'm the youth minister at Keller Church of Christ. I've been there for about four years now. And out in California uh, for this youth rally at West Visalia. So um, California is not a place I visit all that often, but mm -hmm. I'm glad to be out here with y'all. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for coming on so such short notice <laughs> yeah it's really nice of you guys to show up it's great and uh i'm john couch i am a minister as you said in anaheim uh orange county generally and uh, i happen to be cousin-in-law with dylan mm -hmm. uh, i married his cousin so wow we've known each other for quite a while now i've That's known cool. you, you for quite a while nick but just meeting Justin. yeah here i am <laughs> yep, Justin's school guy. Yeah, now we're getting now we're really close friends because we share one thing in common. Right, yeah. <laughs> we share one thing in common. It's so totally remarkable. Yeah. So yeah. you and I met uh what ten years ago, probably twenty. When did you come out to West by State? Less than ten years. Maybe you were there my first year at Bible Camp YBC. Yeah, I'm sure I was. I was there. I started going to Bible Camp in 2012. Okay, then yeah, I came in 2013. That's right. Okay, and uh, I met Dylan what uh, eight uh, eight or twelve hours ago? Eight twelve hours ago? <laughs> yeah, uh, like 10 a.m. this morning, something. Yeah, like that. and uh, John and I were talking in the hallway, and I was like, "Hey, we should do a podcast episode." And John's like, "Yeah, that would be great." And I was like, "Let's get Dylan on too. You think he'd be down?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think so." But I asked him, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm down." Uh, so uh, that's how we ended up at this last minute podcast, but we didn't really have a topic that we were going to no. talk about. So um, we had a few ideas uh, kind of uh, circling the things that we discussed uh, today at the youth forum. Uh, and one of those things uh, was discipline. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on uh, how, how a Christian should be? Well, maybe let's start, let's, let's start with, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. I want to break the ice for myself. Okay. Okay. Okay, so it's a it's a dad joke, all right? Okay, right. Which rock group has four men who don't sing? Where's the crickets button? <laughs> uh, Mount Rushmore. Okay, why? I, got <laughs> I love it. I, I, have, I, 
<laughs> it was really bad, but I have to do it. Just but it's out. true. We do I do like a some kind of quirky joke every week. I need to practice my dad jokes. I'm going to be a dad less drunk. And so oh, I'm going to practice mine. Oh, no. It comes naturally over time. Will it? Okay, okay. start picking it up. Okay, good. You know? Yeah, it doesn't the take other day, The other day, uh, I showed my wife my new shoes, and she, you know, was like, new shoes? What are you talking about? And I, well, I had just taped a couple of uh, toy vans to my feet. I said, look, I've got new vans. So, oh, that's, like that. that's a good. That's a, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. You're getting there. I'm working on. You're I'm working on the delivery part of those jokes. You know, the last one was the Cowboys joke, which uh, if you go listen to the last episode, you'll hear a Cowboys joke about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, there's oh, no jokes about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, there is. Yeah. Uh, your quarterback is one of them. Oh, that was even worse than the first one. <laughs> I was going to say the joke is the Dallas Cowboys. The joke is the two. Hey, you know the star. The, the the star is not a logo. It's a rating. Oh no! Just never one Saving them up. I was saving them up. You know, I got my first Dallas Cowboys fan on this uh, podcast. I got to throw a few out. Oh, here. man. See, I, I would be throwing the 49ers under the bus, but I'll just let my boys do the talking. No, no I don't. Okay. Well, well, you know what? On Sunday. You know what? It's okay. You can have this one. We'll knock you out in the playoffs. So. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. It just got it just got uh, a little awkward. Hey, Amy, <laughs> just, remember, just remember, don't put anything Dallas Cowboy themed in your baby's crib. What? Like that. Because they could choke. Oh man! No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, so I, I kind of broke it. So where were you going with this? You had a topic. No, yeah, we were kind of talking about, we were talking a lot about discipline, right? Like discipline for Christians. But maybe you guys could uh, enlighten us a little bit on um, just how discipline, apart from Christianity, plays a big role in your life. Mm, apart from Christianity. Yeah, apart from Christianity. Wow, you threw that curveball in there last second. <laughs> You're like you're setting the question up, and then all of a sudden, apart from Christianity, yeah. go. Boom, go. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, so I am not like somebody that works out. I'm, a, I'm not a, a disciplined in my physical fitness. I'm not disciplined in the things that I eat by any means. Seconded. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm literally like I'm 25 years old. I'm going to eat what I want. And sure. my body doesn't really. That'll catch up to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep hearing that, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but no, like as far as discipline outside of like my Christian walk, I don't know. That's a tough one to answer. But I think I can answer it for you. Okay. It's that Christianity Im- involves and embodies all of our lives. We can't yeah. separate discipline from it. I was no. about to. It's a trick question, I think. Yeah. Kind of. A little bit. <laughs> oh, man. He was tricking us. I was going to say, like, I have an A little bit. A little bit. I don't, like, there is nothing outside of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is It is a little bit of a trick question because I do think that, like, like I said earlier, discipline, you know, in one area transfers to another, right? So if you learn it in one area of your life, like let's say you have a good prayer life, which I'm sure you guys have much better prayer lives than I do. Um, but if you learn the discipline of prayer, it transfers over to the discipline of like maybe, okay, now that I've conquered that problem, I can conquer other problems because of the discipline, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. So it is a, it is a, it is one that we don't practice in the society because it does fall into the realm of self-control. So let's talk a bit, a little bit about that too, right? Um, what is, uh, what does self-control 
mean? What is it? So I really liked the way that uh, John phrased it earlier uh, when he's talking about self-discipline, mm. which is right in line yeah, with self-control. Right. Uh, but in your lesson this morning, you talked about uh, self-discipline is saying no to yourself. Mm. Saying no to that temptation. When that temptation arises, saying, no, I'm not going to give in to that. Um, and to be able to say no to yourself, um, I mean, we, we can talk about character and integrity, you know, doing the right thing even when nobody's watching. Um, but that's what self-discipline is, is putting that into practice. And right. and not just hearing lessons about it, but um, when time comes, when Satan's attacking you, then it's being able to say no to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you... Did you have a passage in mind that you were going to read, or are you just I'll, looking something up? Oh, okay, no, um, and I, I, I do think that is something that we don't practice in this culture, right? Mm -hmm. uh, aside, aside from religion, I mean, we don't, we don't practice self-discipline, and even in, even in our, you know, our religious organizations, we don't, we don't practice self-control, even though it is listed like a, in Peter as a, as a virtue. Well, that's right? what I was actually turning to. Oh, okay. I'll right. get to that in a second, but one thing I did point out this morning. Uh, we both, for those who might be listening, we, Dylan and I both spoke at the youth forum, Nick did as well, uh, at a youth forum where we talked about this. And uh, one of the things I tried to point out was that uh, self-discipline, and see, there it goes, my thought just, we can edit right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, the words discipline yeah. comes from the same root word as disciple. Mm. So you can't be a disciple without discipline. Mm -hmm. When I learned that, it was mm -hmm. it was a very important thing for me to learn. It kind of clicked in my head because you part of being a disciple is learning discipline right. from your rabbi, from your master. Mm. Yeah. But the passage you were bringing up is Second Peter chapter one, which, by the way, uh, one of the things one of the one of the spiritual disciplines we talked about was memorizing. Mm -hmm. And this is a passage I have taken on myself, uh, upon myself to memorize. Second Peter, I want to memorize the whole book. Right. So if we cover it up, are you going to be able to quote it? I think so. <laughs> I, I am tired, but <laughs> yeah, it's a long day, man. Put him on yeah, the spot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I definitely have the first chapter in my head, in my heart, because mm -hmm. I've been going through it, and it's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And one of the things Peter points out is uh, he, he, he gives a list of virtues, mm -hmm. as you said, but they're in a particular order. It's not, it's not like the fruit of the Spirit, which are, you know, they're kind of in a, any order, like a random yeah. order, they're just a list. Whereas Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, uh, when he says, well, I'll just read it. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Mm -hmm. His divine power has granted to us all that we need, in other words, right. uh, for living a godly life. And then he goes through what those things are. Uh, I'm skipping down a little bit, but he says, you, uh, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. So it starts with faith. Yep. You add to that virtue. Uh, how would you guys define virtue? It's a good question, because <laughs> I, I think I think a virtue is 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 a characteristic. I think it's a it's a strong character, a strong you know. In in this instance, it's a it's a characteristic of someone who is religious. Yeah. Right. But a virtue is something that defines you. Yeah. Right. Um, what? Yeah. What? Like when we say someone's virtuous, what we mean is, uh, and I think if you're looking at this from a 
from uh, the perspective of that that Peter is listing this in a particular order, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what we realize is every person who becomes a Christian, it starts with faith, and that faith gives them virtue. Mm. In other words, their their belief system is different. They now have a different view of right and wrong, even if they're not living up to it yet. Yeah, And that's why the next one he says is you add to your virtue knowledge. Right. That's the next step. When you become a Christian, you now have a new virtue. You're not living up to it yet, but you add knowledge and then add to that knowledge self-control. There it is. Mm-hmm. So self-control, this is important to me. When I was memorizing this passage, I realized it was fourth on the list. Yeah. We can't, we're not instantly, we don't have instant self-control. No, it takes time. It takes time. <laughs> That's exactly You're right. not added to the church one day and then the next, it's like, okay, you better have complete control of yourself. That's the way it's young. I think that's great that you brought that passage up because I wasn't even going there with my thought, right? I was I was all the way over in the fruits of the spirit, right? In Galatians. Right. Uh, and I was looking at that and I was like, okay, well, I mean, self-control, right? But I mean, the fact that that uh, before the self-control is the, the, the wisdom, right? And, or I think that's what you said. Knowledge, yeah. Knowledge. Sorry, um, but where does that knowledge come from, right? I mean, if you're looking at it biblically, uh, I think that's coming from actually reading. Of course. Right? And so I think that's that's also something that goes with that self-control. Like you can't have the self-control without knowing what you should or should not be doing, yeah. right? Or having an understanding of of what was going on, what what was happening with these people, how does that apply to me, uh, how do I how do I control myself from doing those things that I could see that that's going to lead to destruction, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's what it kind of boils down to. So then uh, with that makes more sense to me to say, okay, you need you need to start here, like with the with the the fact that, okay, I believe that this story is true, right? Right. And then, step okay. Step one. Right. Yeah. And then step two is, okay, now I need to start f- understanding it. And then when you understand it, then you gain that ability to go, Okay, I shouldn't be doing that, right? right. And then controlling yourself. That that makes complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. And l- and look at the next one, number five, self control. You add to that steadfastness mm. or perseverance, mm. which is essentially self control over a longer period of time. Than yeah, <laughs> so sure. Yeah, it's, it's, being, it's being able to hold fast, yeah. right? Because yeah. you can hear there's there's all there's a bunch of different passages I think talking about uh, basically like holding your ground kind of a thing. And so that that makes sense to me that as you're as you're doing all that, yeah, that's what you're doing with it. You're yeah. you're being able to go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold fast to what I believe, right, to be true. And uh, yeah, so really neat. You know what it made me think of to bring that up um, is anybody can be uh, anybody can exercise self control once or that's right twice. Yeah. Yes. I, anybody in it uh, when they're like, okay, this is the one time I need to exercise self control, they can do it. But to do that over a long period of time, to let that uh, yeah. continue, uh, that's a different ball game. Yeah, it's all it's a whole other game. Yeah, so like when I think, sorry. Go no, go ahead, go ahead. I think the further you down you get on this list, the the more virtuous they are, and the, the more difficult. So steadfastness, you add to that godliness. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you're not you're not starting off your Christian walk as a godly person. Mm-mm. You're just mm-hmm. not. And you work toward it. And then you add to that brotherly affection, which you then add to that love. Mm. And love is the last one. Love is wow. the most important. And 
you and I think the difference between you know love and obviously this is in English in the Greek yeah. it's agape right yeah uh, brotherly affection Philadelphia brotherly affection means loving a brother right loving somebody who agrees with you that's easier to do than Christian charity yeah. Christian love which is love your enemies yeah. And, Pray for those who persecute you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like the Good Samaritan, loving mm-hmm. the person that does not love you back. Yeah, that's exactly. a point you brought up too. I, I never, I never looked at the Good Samaritan in that light, and and you said something that struck me. It was, you know, like we we look at, you know, the man who was who who was the I can't even remember what the guy. Well, I mean, what nationality was the it? one that got jumped? Yeah, the one that got jumped. You. That was inviting too. You were like, "Oh yeah, he got jumped." <laughs> Dang, no, good. That's I mean, cool. for those of us who weren't around, would you, can you give us a little bit of insight on what I that story was? Can do it better. Yeah, than just retelling the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, sure. um, where uh, Jesus is talking with a lawyer, and he's like, the lawyer comes to try to test Jesus, and he's like, "Hey, what is the the greatest command?" And Jesus kind of turns it around on him in Luke chapter ten, and he says, "How do you read it? What, what is the greatest command?" And he's like, "Well, love the Lord, uh, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." And he's like. Yeah, good job. You answered correctly. <laughs> and then the lawyer is like, wait, no, I was supposed to try to trap him. And so then the lawyer comes back to him and uh, and he's like, okay, well, who is my neighbor? And he's like trying to justify his himself. And so Jesus goes into telling the parable. And uh, it's just a parable about this man that's on his way down a road. He's on a journey. And uh, he gets attacked by robbers and beaten up and left for dead. And I was uh, asking the teens at the forum, I was like, so like, what happened to the man as he was on the way down the road? And they're like, he got jumped. And I'm like, fact. Yeah, he did. Very factual. Um, and so then we go on to tell the rest of the story. You know, he gets passed by a priest. He gets passed on by, by a Levite. Other Jews, other uh, Jewish men that should be very godly men. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're the chosen tribe, the, the priestly tribe of the Levite tribe. Um, and they both passed by on the other side, didn't want anything to do with the man that got jumped. And um, then a Samaritan passed by. And giving the context of who the Samaritan is and how Samaritans and Jews are essentially racist with one another. Yeah, uh, completely. The, the Samaritans mm-hmm. hate the Jews and the Jews hate the Samaritans. Right. Um, and Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of his story. And it's a made-up story. It's a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus can make the hero anybody he wanted to make it. It's right. not like Jesus saw this encounter and was retelling it. Jesus created the story so he can make the hero anybody he wanted to make it. And he purposely made the hero a Samaritan. Right. And uh, so then he asked the lawyer, who is that man's neighbor? And the lawyer can't even bring himself to say, well, it was the Samaritan. He can't even bring himself to to call that man by his nationality. He says it was just the one who showed him mercy. And sure. he says, you go and do likewise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things that I found, uh, what I like about those stories is that I always pass by it really quickly sometimes. Yeah. But you get into it, you start getting into it and you realize, oh, wait, he even told the innkeeper, hey, whatever money you spend, I'll come back and pay for the rest of it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, who does that? No, when we start like, to total it up into like modern day currency, that's a I mean, lot. That dude's paying thousands of dollars it's to take care of this man. He's, yeah. he's paying for all of his medical care. He's paying for all of his meals. He's paying for his lodging. And when we start to think about those three things, which are not three cheap things, medical right. care, food, and lodging, right. he's paying thousands of dollars for a stranger he doesn't know because he just wants to be a good neighbor. Right. Yeah. Which is which is really interesting to me. Also, the fact that he would even ask who the neighbor is, because even when you go through the Old Testament, and you read through Exodus and Deuteronomy, it's clear who the neighbor is. Yeah. Right? 
So he completely knows who neighbor, what it means. Well, that's why it says wishing to justify himself. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just trying to trick him back just yeah. to see what he can do. But, I mean, the reality is he knows who the neighbor is. He's choosing not to say Yeah, he's a creature of the law. He yeah. the law like the back of his hand. Yeah, exactly. Well, he wants to be able to draw a circle around only the people he likes and say, those are my neighbors. I don't have to treat others in the, with the same kind of respect or love. And that's why I think it's fascinating that Jesus doesn't even answer the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I asked him, who's my uh, who's my neighbor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't say, the Samaritan's your neighbor. He turns around and says, okay, who was being a neighbor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a point to that. I think Jesus is basically saying, you're asking the wrong question, son. Right. <laughs> I said it right. Like, in, in a nice way, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's the way that I really like when it, the, the, the phrasing, the command uh, to love your enemies as yourself um, to phrase that as love those who don't love you back. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, especially in America, like we'll get to be like, you know, I don't have an enemy. I don't have somebody that like, like I'm, I'm fighting with actively right yeah. now, you know? Um, like, I mean, you can think of enemies of the nation, but personal enemies. We, we don't I, I really... think of Cowboys fans, personally. Well, I don't know. I don't yeah, I mean, I mean, you're a Cowboys fan, but you're also my brother, so I have some sympathy for you. I know it's not your choice to be a Cowboys fan; that you were probably raised that way, and yeah, um, yeah you, I was you blessed can't help to be born it. into it, just like I was blessed. I don't want to consider that a blessing. <laughs> I mean, you know, blessing, curse, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm, I'm apples and oranges, right? <laughs> so, tomato, tomato. <laughs> so, one of the things that I always kind of think about is like the is the fact that. When you look at how Jesus died on the cross, right? Kind of bringing it back towards that. He's, he didn't just die for me and you. He died for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And the fact of the matter is there's even in this day and age, there are people who know that there's a creator and choose to go against that. Mm-hmm. And to think that, hey, you, this person died for even that, that guy that hated him so much, he doesn't mm-hmm. want anything to do with them, Right. That's a different type of love, which is, I think, the love that they're trying to get us, that Christians are trying to get towards, right, is that kind of love. Yeah. Which is extremely difficult, right? Because it's super easy to go, hey, man, hey, Nick, I love you, dude. You're a great brother, right? Versus, like, uh, Nick, you know, every time I see Nick, I just don't, I don't even, I go around the corner. I don't want to be around him, right? <laughs> yeah, but, oh, it's Nick. Yeah. You know, way. <laughs> right? So it's just a complex, it's a real complex, uh, interesting, interesting thought that, that uh, that's neat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brotherly affection is on a lower tier than yeah. Christian charity, agape. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Putting others' needs above your own. But it's crazy how he dissects that, you know, and he says that this vir- these virtues practiced all together are what we're aiming for. Right. right. And 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 even in the midst of, you know, you got a heavily persecuted church in the time of Peter and the group that he's writing Definitely. to, you know, and like what else would you want to remind those people of? You know, if you are in the midst, heavy midst of persecution, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to live this Christian life anymore. And you got this guy who you look up to so highly and he writes these words and he tells you virtue all the way down. Here's how you add these things to your life. Remember what you've been taught. Remember what you're supposed to do, despite what people are doing to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. So, and, I, I'll, and he, so go he also says, whoever lacks these qualities. He's talking about Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed of his former sin. Mm. Wow. 
That's the very next thing he said. I mean, also that tells you the gravity of what yeah. the, what they knew, you know? The gravity was like, well, you don't get this. Like, hey, there's not something, this is not something to play around with, right? Right. So let me just kind of recap. We started kind of with the discipline, self-control idea. I kind of want to talk about these three because I think I think these three, if, if, you, if you can learn them, if you can, and maybe not necessarily master them, but understand what they are, right? If you can understand what discipline is and its effects, right? If you can understand what consistency is and its effects and the results that it produces from those two things. And then the third one being balance, right? Which we kind of talked about a little bit mm-hmm. earlier today. We were kind of having some conversation. I was like, you know what? We should uh, save these save these for for a for a podcast episode because I think people would really like to hear them but I think these are these are keys I would say they're keys to success keys to life keys to think key things that you know Christians and non-Christians alike need to adopt right if they want to find that find that rhythm in their life yeah. so we we talked we started with discipline let's talk a little bit about consistency right what what kind of what role does consistency play in the life of a Christian well maybe that's that goes back to what we were talking about with steadfastness being a level up from self-control. Mm. The self-control is doing it once, but per- perseverance or steadfastness is doing it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So consistency is right. You're ta- you're you're taking these these virtues and and this discipline, and you're you're expanding it. Yeah, well, it's hard to stay consistent, right? Especially okay. when you don't like stuff, right? Like uh, like for me, I didn't really like going to the gym when I first started either, you know. Um, I was in there, you know, I started three days a week. I thought, you know what? I can accomplish three days a week. If I can get three days in a row, right. Then after a period of time, I can add another day, right. So I can add, I can add a fourth day. I can do a fourth day, right. I can add a fifth day. I can do a fifth day. But the point is I can't give myself any outs, right. I can't give myself any options. If I don't, if I give myself options, right. Then I'm not doing what I've set out to do, which, you know, kind of falls back into the realm of discipline. But what would you say? Uh, uh, cons- consistently, right? Um, what have you done consistently that has not been pleasant that you knew you needed to do, but didn't like it in the process? Hmm. That's a tough one. That's a t- <laughs> you know, okay, because I want to go back just a minute, if you don't mind, because my thought, I had a thought on it, and I heard this once before, and I was, unfortunately, or fortunately, I just finished doing a whole Bible study on Deuteronomy and I was going through Exodus and I'm already in like Chronicles right now, right? Mm. Anyway, and if you look at Moses, right, there's a couple things that I think is important to kind of notice that are, it's a saying that I've heard before, right? But it's, it's, it's useful. Somebody who does something for a, for like a month, right? Mm. They're going to reap the benefit of that for like a couple of years. Somebody who does something for a year is going to benefit from that for, you know, almost a lifetime, right? Mm. But somebody who does something for a full lifetime can change the world, right? Yeah. Because they're sticking to it, and no matter what, they're going to make it happen. Right. Um, And if you, I mean, obviously Moses started in his 40s, right? But with that still being said, essentially, he effectively, with God, change the the trajectory of the Israelites right right so I think that's that to me that's being steadfast and okay we're doing it you know and he stuck to it the whole time I mean yeah he did some things that weren't weren't accepted right <laughs> yeah and he got punished for that 
Yeah. But at the same time, uh, sometimes I'm rooting. I'm on Moses' side. I'm like, oh, come on. You know, he's, he's right next to the promise that you're not going to let him in for like a minute. <laughs> but, I, but but I mean, that, that's what I kind of was thinking about when you said that. So I thought I would, would share just that little tip yeah. and a thought that, hey, when you do something for a longer period of time, it doesn't just benefit you. Sometimes it benefits a larger group. Oh, maybe that plays another role into, into thinking about what Jesus means when he's talking about bearing fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. That fruit may not come immediately, but consistently, you know, it might it might produce something greater than you could ever imagine. Right. Like if you continue to build your influence in, in whatever arena, you know, uh, I have I have a place I like to go to, you know, do ministry and meet people and talk to people. I like to go to the gym. Um, that's where I go to try to meet people in the community. Um, I'm pr- pretty much a regular at uh, Turner's Outdoorsman because I like outdoor stuff. I like fishing gear. I like hunting gear. So I know all the people in there. I, I may not see immediately the results of my influence, but over a consistent period of time, you know, somebody might say, oh, well, what do you do for a living? Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a preacher. Oh, okay. And then the next time I come in there, oh, they might have spiritual questions. I, I don't know. I mean, it could be, it can be a number of things, right? But you can, you can see the fruit of something when you do it consistently, right? I, I like that point because um, it's just like writing. Like how long did it take you to get good at writing, John? Have you always been good at I'm writing? Still working on it. Okay, so <laughs> right. Uh, read, yeah, I mean, it takes years. Have you read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear? No. Okay, that book will change your life. I mean, he talks. He talks. You, you, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you need to read that book. Um, What's the name of it? It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, okay, Clear. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. So, so yeah, in that book, he talks about. You know, maybe he didn't start. He wouldn't start something like. I struggle with perfectionism. I like to be perfect. Like when I do something, I want to be perfect. I, I have this problem where it's like, if it's not there, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to go forward with it. Right. But he talks about the idea of if you just do something, right? Like, let's say, you know, even if you do publish an article and it's garbage, um, the next time you write an article, it's going to be 10 times, it's going to be 10 times better than it was. Cause you're going to learn where your mistakes are. Right. And so the benefits of consistency being that you're able to grow in that it's a great point, yeah. Yeah, and I think going with that is, when, number one, yeah, you absolutely grow. But again, back to another thing that John was saying in one of his lessons today, is practice, the more that you do things, mm-hmm. it becomes permanent. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it becomes part of you where when you, if you ever stop doing it, you're like, something's wrong, something's yeah. missing. And so the more often that you are putting some of these spiritual disciplines in practice, the more often that you're praying, the more often that you're reading God's word and st- spending time studying that, um, then if you if you develop that into a habit, then if you ever don't do it, it's like something's missing. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. just feels wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I know exactly what that. Yeah. I know exactly, exactly what there's a lot of things. Right. <laughs> Like a withdrawal symptom, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, mm, uh, something, something's not right, you know. And oh, yeah. You get like, for me, it's like if I miss a, if I miss a gym day, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, you I get like, I gotta figure out how to get gym. I gotta, it's like the runner's no. high, yeah. So I, I don't run anymore because that's stupid. Um, <laughs> um what's the proverb? Only a fool runs when nobody chases him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I don't run. Um. But what was going to that? Oh, yeah. But in high school, when I did run, the runner's high is totally real. Like it's, Mm. you know, some people will look on the outside and they're like, oh, how could you have fun doing that? That doesn't seem fun. I mean, that's the way I am today. Um, But when I was there, it was like, no, there's that, just that drive, that, that itch that I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. For real. 
So anything, any other thoughts on consistency before we move? Let's talk about a little bit of bet balance because it's a little bit broader of a subject than what do you think some, what do you, where do you want, where do you guys want to start with, with the idea of balance? Cause there's so many places we could go to start with this. Oh man. My favorite part about balance is like the whole stupid conservative liberal oh, yeah, yeah. argument and which I hate those terms even. I mean, just to be honest, like, yeah. like well, no one knows what they mean. Well, what's in They're completely arbitrary. And I'm like, okay, there's somebody that can be conservative at like quote unquote conservative at one point in scripture, but then they're completely other point. They're like, super oh, liberal. What do you mean by that? All right. You're talking about. Religious conservative. Religious conservative liberalism. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Thank but, you for the clarity. But no, it, it still is so, like, it doesn't mean anything. It's so stupid. But as far as balance goes, um, if I can be balanced enough to, when I'm preaching something and there's people on the left that are like, oh, no, that's too strict. And then there's people on the right who are like, oh, no, that's too loose um, or whatever it is. Then I'm like, okay, I'm probably doing, my job. doing something right. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to stay where scripture's at and not lean to the left or to the right. That's what Moses told Joshua. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did. <laughs> he did tell him that. That's funny. What about you, John? Oh, I, uh, I definitely agree with what you said. And uh, we're not talking about lukewarm Christianity uh, mm-hmm. where we're not willing to take a stance on anything, mm-hmm. but we are talking about a balanced theology, a theology a theology that's not based on the people around us, not based on the yeah. culture, and it's not based on what we you know think other people want us to say. Uh, we're talking about a willingness to go beyond our denominational boundary if if that's what the Bible teaches, right. right? And that was what I was going to ask you was specifically that, like, how does that feel when that, when you come across a section where you're like, ah, maybe I shouldn't preach on that because it's going to conflict with uh, the theology that I'm supposed to be uh, representing. Yeah. I'm sure that, that, that moment of fear comes. Uh, and I think it, it becomes incumbent upon me to not let not let my decisions be based on fear. Oh man, I gotta say, if there's ever a point for anybody listening to this, regardless of whatever denomination you may find yourself in, if you find a point where you're saying, I can't preach on that because that's a, a biblical topic, but I can't preach on that because my denomination doesn't agree with that, leave it immediately. That's <laughs> <laughs> not just the yeah. church. It's not that's the church you yeah. right? I think that yeah. that's really, good. yeah, really well said. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true because, you know, you, you we should be able to, you know, the Bible, the scriptures tell us we should preach the whole counsel of God, right? But when you're not, when you're only able to preach one part, but not another part, I mean, it doesn't wrap itself full circle, right? I mean... You know, you could sit there and go, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I want to tickle people's ears. Like, I, I love to go to this passage because yeah. we were we were talking about this. We did. We talked about it yeah. uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, something like that. I, I can't remember it was, exactly. It was about the one. tingling in the ears, right? I mean, yeah. that's what it is. That people people end up uh, going after their own lusts, and they, they end up getting pastors or preachers who will preach to them what yeah, they want right. to hear yeah. to make the, and it basically makes it, but it also happens you get what you want out of right. it. And it also happens within the church too, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you don't preach something because you don't want to obstruct somebody's faith, right? You don't want to upset them. You don't want to challenge what they've always believed. Right. But I think that's healthy. I think that's a good thing to do to go, you know what? 
you know, I'm tired of us dancing around the question of is this or isn't this, right? Because that's where we find ourselves a lot of times as preachers, like is this or isn't this? Or, you know, can we do this or can't we do this? You know, and if you disagree, you know, it's like the thought police come running in like, oh. Yeah, but I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes, okay, for example, let's just, I'm going to pick something arbitrary, right? Uh, young earth versus old earth, right? Right. Which isn't really theological at all, nope. in my opinion. It doesn't matter. But I mean, I could see people losing their mind if I was, if I were to say, oh, you know what? It's a young earth and dinosaurs live with man, right? Yeah. I could, I could see that. Sure. So, I mean, I don't think, I, I don't think that's a topic that you would even have to bring up as a sermon topic. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say wisdom on what is it necessary to bring up. Yeah. I think that's a great Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a nuanced issue. But I, there's different discussions that can be had in, in Bible study settings yeah, and, yeah. and uh, more uh, smaller settings versus mm-hmm. in a big congregational when you're preaching. Right, right. Um, and we also have to consider at the same time what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth um, that, hey, if there's a brother that's going to stumble because I eat meat, shoot, I'll never have meat the rest of my mm-hmm. life. Now, that's Dylan's translation. That's right. not exactly what Paul wrote, <laughs> but that's along the same line. Can I get a copy when you're done? Yeah, absolutely. Before you leave, yeah. I want a copy it's, of Dylan's it's, it, it's actually like... <laughs> but, but no, that's uh, we have to absolutely employ that. And there's some topics um, that can just be a stumbling block yeah. for a brother or sister. And we have to be careful to avoid those. Now, that doesn't and, mean all together, period, avoid those. But around that brother or sister, we got to be careful. Well, yeah. this is one of those, another area, because it, guess what? It, it's true of every area of life, but it's another area that requires balance. Yeah. There... Uh, Paul's teaching is is exactly right, but there were also other times when Paul was unwilling to stand down against, and I think it depends on where the person is coming from, right? Sure. Yeah. Are, being, are, are they a weak Paul, Christian, right? Who who really want to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are, uh, uh, you know, or are they uh, being self righteous and and so on? Yeah. Uh, are they wanting to have their way? Right. Or are they trying to gain something out of it? Yeah. Right. On. And with their motive. It requires balance, yeah. You and and we can't know everyone's motive, but but it it just takes balance. I think I think you're right. Yeah. And I think that's why Scripture talks so often about wisdom, because it's all of <laughs> yeah. these are like, wow, wisdom is very important in this situation. Well, on, <laughs> I mean, this is why I always say there's there there are topics for private conversation and there are topics for pu- public proclamation, and mm-hmm. that is a that is a wisdom divide. Like, should I stand that's up right. and preach this and divide the church, or should this be a private conversation? Because I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I've had more success in changing the minds of people in private conversations than I have right. in public proclamations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so really, the emphasis should be on on you know individual relationships. If somebody has a mindset of something, it's like ah, I don't know, I don't know if that's going to send you to hell, but you might want to rethink, mm-hmm. you know, the way you're thinking about that because it will change your you know your biblical worldview. You, you don't write a sermon and then go talk about it the next right. Sunday. And, and they talk about that in preaching school or in, in, in any preaching school, right? You don't like, you don't write a sermon and direct it at somebody, right? Yeah. And I know the one time I heard somebody talking about, but uh, let's all sit down and talk about Nick real quick. <laughs> I heard a preacher one time talking about how he had a disagreement with somebody. And oh. and so he, he preached about the topic that they had disagreed on, which it wasn't like something that shouldn't sure. be preached about, but it was just like the timing of it was just awful. <laughs> that, like, um, like a bad idea. Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, I too like to weaponize the pulpit. Hey, let me show you why this so-and-so is wrong. You know, I'll put yeah. my point up here. And guess what? You have no platform, buddy. So uh, eat dirt. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's crazy, dude. It's just, you, you gotta, you gotta, 
you gotta, man, I, I, uh, I think that, that being in the balance is dangerous for individuals in the sense that you're not taking a side. Right. If you're in the middle and you're going, yeah, I don't really agree with that. And I don't really agree with that. And I just want these two groups to get along. I mean, that's dangerous. That's where Jesus put himself and look what happened to him. You know, <laughs> it was true. for, it was for a purpose, but, but, but you, you hang yourself in the balance, right? You live in the middle and you go, okay. It was like, you know, a long time ago. Well, I, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't grow up in the church and, um, and my parents weren't religious people and they grew up Catholic and they were very disdained from Catholicism. Right. Mm -hmm. So they didn't, they didn't want anything to do with the Catholic church didn't want to raise their kids in it, but they didn't, they didn't put a shield up and block me from, you know, you know, knowing who God was and knowing that there might be a God out there. Um, but by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I was a self-proclaimed atheist and I didn't want anything to do with, Mm -hmm. with, uh, with God or religion. And I thought Christians were quirky and wacky and crazy and, you know, my aunt on Facebook is nuts, um, for, for talking about this stuff and believing this stuff and it's wild. And then, uh, I ended up chasing a girl into church. Uh, <laughs> I was telling my teens in the youth group flirt to convert. And, and. <laughs> there you go. That was a good one, man. He's a good youth minister. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, that's a joke. Don't, don't actually do that, but you know, <laughs> no, bad idea. <laughs> um, and, and because I didn't grow up in that, it was hard when I, when I bit down to chew on doctrine, when I, when I finally came to the, came to my belief in God and accepted that Jesus was the Christ. Um, you know, there were some things that I bit down on that you could not, I was like a pit bull. You could just could not unlock my jaw from Mm -hmm. that. And I argued tooth and nail with people over certain things. Right. And what I found out over a period of time is that, is that caused me to put strain in the relationships and, and, and reaching people who didn't want to, you know, who would believe in God and and might follow you and might follow Jesus to them going, yeah, I don't want to follow that. I don't want to go to that church. You know? Oh man, if if you put up a, a barrier to where you're saying, hey, I want you to follow Jesus, but I want you to follow my Jesus. Oh yeah, mm, no, that's that's not right. No. Yeah, we're just saying we have to say to the world, to people, you have to follow Jesus. Right, that's and it. Here's what he is in Scripture. If you want help help understanding him, absolutely, I'll help you along the way. But we cannot say no. Here's what I specifically believe about Jesus, and here's how I want you to follow him. That we're, we're then putting too much burden on other people. That's, yeah, that's not me a little bit of angst too. You know, it gave me a little bit of like I, I, you know, like I, I'm, you know, like I'm angry that I that I just chew, bit and chewed down on chewed down on this stuff because I ruined so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I didn't understand that you could be in the middle and you know take different approaches with different people because different people need different things, right? Some yep. people need an aggressive approach, like let's go sit down, go have a Bible study, let's talk, let's talk through it, let's show Scripture, let me show you the references, prove it to you. Yeah. And then other people just need you to walk them, you know, they they just need you to walk them and remind them of who Jesus is, and they go, man, a light bulb clicks, and they go, hey, I wanna, you know, I wanna study this a little further. I wanna, you know, I'm gonna start reading my Bible, and then the conversation grows, you know, especially like in the gym, I have some some guys in there at the gym that I've been talking to for months, man, couldn't crack, couldn't crack an egg on them. I mean, they were hard as a rock. Hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, hey, I, I really like to get going back to church. And I was like, okay, well, what, what if, what if you, we just hold off on church for now? Let's go down let's go have a cup of coffee. I'll buy a cup of coffee. Let's just sit down and talk. Let's figure out where you're at. Let's see where you are. And then let's, let's work from there. 
because what I don't want to do is push, push back. And then, oh, you have to bite into my, what I believe. No, you don't have to bite into what I believe. You have to bite into what scripture says and you have to bite into what Jesus teaches. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, part of this with the conversation about balance, uh, I think what we mean is that everybody's relationship with God is their own Mm -hmm. relationship. It can't, can't be based on somebody else's. And, uh, in my opinion, uh, most answers to a lot of these doctrinal questions, these these hard, difficult topics that denominations take such hard stances on, I think a lot of them, I'm not talking about all of them, and I have a feeling this this comment might get me in trouble, but uh, <laughs> that's only for someone who doesn't know me and is misunderstanding. Right. Uh, I think for most of these, maybe not most, but a lot of these topics, these these doctrines that are so difficult that people take such hard stances on, a lot of the times the answer is in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. in between the two extremes. And 100%. I think that when I talk about balance, that's what I mean. I, yeah. I think that there's so many doctrines in scripture that like one denomination says this thing and another denomination says something else mm-hmm. and they're both half right. Yeah. And uh, there's usually an overcorrection somewhere in there where one is overcorrecting from the other yeah. and is mad at the other for saying what they said and goes too far the other direction. Right. And so, uh, doctrinally, I think that's what I, well, that's what I mean when I say we need to have doctrinal balance. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be what the scripture says and nothing more, nothing less. Yep. And, I, and I'm just saying that a lot of the times because scripture is, uh, written the way it is. And because there are so many books of the Bible <laughs> that, uh, usually the answer is somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, and I don't want to go too long on this, but uh, one thing that uh, uh, the preacher I work with, he kind of opened my eyes to a little bit. Uh, he said that a lot of times uh, you'll have apostles that are presenting doctrine that seems at first contradictory. It's not contradictory, but it's intention. Like Paul and Romans and James. Exactly. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's the big faith versus work. Faith versus works. Yeah. Uh, faith versus works. These mm. doctrines are purposefully held in tension with one another, and there is no uh, hard answer. Uh, now, what people do, instead of allowing that tension to remain, which is, I think, the biblical approach, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how it is in the scriptures. Yeah. The intention is there. We're not told to resolve it. Mm. <laughs> We're just told to live with it. Yep. Uh, whereas, I think what a lot of people do is they run to one or the other and try to ignore one or the other. Right. Mm, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people don't want two things to be true at the same time. Mm. Right. That's, yeah. And that's a hard kind of a thing to swallow. That it could be, could be that somebody's predestined to do something, but there's also free will. Yeah, corner instead of instead of realizing balance. exactly instead of like taking it and going hold on a second there's multiple locations that talk about one and also talk about the other right and realizing hey both of these things can be true at the same time and that god is powerful enough to uh to breed to predetermine something and yet also leave us our free will right yeah. mm-hmm. right because i mean yeah. it, i always i always kind of equate it to my son right he's younger 
but I've been with him long enough. He's been in my life long enough. I already know if I put a situation in front of him, I know how he's going to act. Right. Right? Now, is that me predetermining what he's going to do when I set it in front of him? Or did I allow him having that free will? It's both. Right. 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 It's a combination of the two. And, And then let's just, now we go one step further. What if I already saw what he did when I set it there? Does that mean that I that I predestined him to do that or did I see it happen already right so again it, it it's to me it's something that that has to run in alignment with each other I'm not saying that right. I know perfectly this is how and it is but we're not supposed to, to know and the right. example that I love saying to, to give with this to, to help explain this to teens is actually going back to creation what does it say in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth we learn a few things about God right there from the beginning though number one he is outside of time he's outside of space he's outside of matter yep and those those three different things you have to have all three at the same time otherwise he's not the almighty he's not oh he is but being outside of time outside of space outside of matter these are things that he's created that he is not affected by yeah right Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like like taking a fluorescent light bulb, like uh, pretending that's our timeline from beginning to when Jesus comes back at the end. And it's like God is outside of that looking into it. And Jesus is God that came into it, that yeah. God in the flesh. But God the Father, he's on the outside looking on from or the fishbowl from the yeah, the beginning of time I that before the right? end of time. And so he sees what happens in the future, even though it hasn't happened yeah. for us yet. Yeah. It's like he always is present. He's always there and always will be. And it's so hard to wrap your mind around, but it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, I kind of jokingly brought it up to Nick. I'm like, okay, so now tell me about uh, the Trinity in less than a minute. Quick. <laughs> right. But I mean, the way that I, the way that I've looked at it, right. Just kind of briefly going over it really quick is like, I am a human being, right. Nick's a human being, but as person, I have dis- different attributes than Nick. Right? Yeah. So so when you look at that, if you look at it in that kind of a context, you can realize that, hey, wait a minute. All right. I kind of understand. I, I, you can understand that. Yeah. Right? Now, the New Testament points out the Trinity. It doesn't call it that, but it points it out. And the Old Testament has, you just brought it up, right? In the beginning, God. Let us make man in our image. And exactly. <laughs> and then that, that word God, right. right? It's a plural God. Right. So they were they they knew back then it's a plurality, but at the same time, it's one God. It's it's in God and being. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, but just kind of briefly going over that. So that's my one minute. Long rabbit trail talking about the Trinity, if y'all want to, but probably not. This is my four year old. Can I explain it for your four year old? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, yeah, and he's confident. Yeah, I like it. Here's what I do. What kind of uh, soap do you use? Uh, I use Doctor Squatch. Oh man. Okay, then maybe not. <laughs> I use three in one for men: shampoo, conditioner, body soap. Mm. You can't separate one of those from the other. There are three different parts of that body. They're separated at one time, though. Okay, well, that's... that's okay, well, how about an egg? Ooh, shell, white part, and yolk, whatever the white part's called. I don't know. It's all the egg. The egg, yeah. 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 When you brought up the fishbowl, that's the one I always loved. Yeah, the mm. fishbowl is the easiest way to explain it, right? Yeah. Because I, I bought a fishbowl. I made the tank, right? I put the water in it. I put the fish in it. I give it some food, and away it goes, right? But mm. I'm not in that fishbowl. I can see what's going on in the fishbowl, 
and the fish has their opinion of what I am, right, from what they see, right. mm-hmm. which which is the same thing that you get from the Bible. It's it's the human opinion or the human vision of what God is doing. Right. And one hand comes in to feed the fish. Another hand comes in to clean the tank. And then you could also stick your face in. And to the fish, that's three different beings. Right. Exactly. But it's all the same person. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good I, one. I, 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 I was thinking of doing like what well, I'm saying. I can explain that to your team. I've gotten so many quotes from John today. This is amazing. Well, then, yeah. One was from Curtis. Yeah. I, I, okay. Curtis. Curtis Pittman? Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I got to have, we got to have Curtis on here. He's a, he's a smart cookie too. I thought that's, that's what you were bringing no, no, For me, the fishbowl, I use the fishbowl for like uh, understanding how God's outside yeah, yeah. space would matter. So yeah. for both. It does. Now I can use it for both of yeah. them. I like and that. If you think about it, the hands are the Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I like that. They are the ones who came to make it make the Father approachable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are more interactive with them. Exactly. Who's yeah. the face? That the Father. Father. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I kind of have a question for y'all. I don't know if this is going to get us way off track, but it's been on my mind since about like the 30 minute mark of this episode. Uh And I just kind of want to ask it. So I'm from Texas. Yeah. Y'all are Californians. Okay. Well, I'm originally Um, from Arkansas. That's fair. Arkansas. Okay. Maybe it's not for you then, but you can still chime in. Um, Well, I lived here 10 years. Okay. Yeah. You can absolutely chime in. Um, When it comes to sharing the gospel, how receptive are people? Be, and I'm not on this area. I'm talking culturally. Yeah. In this area, um, it's tough. Well, I don't, I mean, sorry to interrupt, because uh, I had a different question. Okay. But I, I, I'll, I'll let this one go really quick, but I don't want to forget, because my question was more on the lines of, if you look at the the apostles and you look how, how uh, active they were to try and convince others of what they saw, right, then how is it that how can we as Christians not share that the same way that they're sharing it? With the same kind of passion. Right. And energy. Yeah. Right. And so with that being said, going back to your question is how receptive are people in our local communities? I think there's a lot, this particular area is very active in belief in God. Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. necessarily the, God of the Bible yeah. or right. not necessarily the action of like what we were talking about a little bit ago about actually reading the book. Yeah. Right. But there is an aspect of, yeah, I go to church or I went to church or I know somebody who goes to church or I know that there's a God, but I just don't. My religion's not on some days. They're God fearing. Sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying that for me, everyone, but let, what? let me tell you, let me show you how many atheists I've met in this area. Really? Only just one. Wow. Okay. Just one. And I, and I, when I work out with him uh, a couple times a week and we talk about stuff and, you know, he's coming along the thread, you know, but okay. it's just taking some time. But typically, you know, when you engage people, you know, and have a conversation about God, I haven't ran into anybody that won't just sit around and talk. What we find is there's a lot of church baggage. Okay. And so people are hesitant to come into church churches because they're afraid of X, Y, and Z, or they're afraid of. You know, there's there's some kind of fear that's holding them back, and so what I try to do is get them to let that go. Fortunately, we got a really good church here, and we don't have a lot of judgmental people. We have a really good fellowship-oriented group, and who who want to, you know, they want people to be a part of what we're doing, and so that's you know that's a positive. Yeah, um, but it is really challenging because. You know, and this is why I've strayed away from the, hey, come to my church building thing, right? Yeah. Uh, like I told you earlier is, 
is we want people to be engaged in groups, right? We want them to come to things like small groups and we want them to be a part of things like, you know, the men's group that they got going on Tuesday. And we, yeah, you know, I think that's more that for us here in California, that's more effective than, or at least in this area. Than, well, I don't, I don't know what's also just this area though. Cause I mean, the reality of it is that the church has become pretty corporate. No yeah, offense. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. And absolutely. So because of that corporate church, it's had the downfall of pushing people away, I think, yep. in my yeah. opinion, right? Uh, for what that's worth. And I and I have I have experience where somebody's confronted me about it. Like I'm overseas and someone says, Hey, you seem different. What do you believe and why? And then I'll say it, right? I'll explain it. I'll basically walk through the gospel. And then then the question then becomes, Okay, what church do you go to? And I'm like, Whoa, hold on a second. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. talk to you about going to church. I'm here to explain who Jesus is, and right. here's the book to read it. I'm not going to tell you what church to go to, right? Yeah, because the the problem is is that there's so many different churches to go to. Maybe you read it differently than me, and you'd rather go to a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church or whatever that you find that you're more interested in. I don't have a problem with that, but you should be reading the book. I mean, that's the straight up. That's what it is. You should read the book for yourself. Hmm. So part of what I like about what you were saying is it's not a matter of like, Hey, come to church, come to worship with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's come meet my family. Yeah. Because, because yeah. it's in those smaller aspects of those smaller atmospheres where they meet your family. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what it really gets me excited when the kids in my youth group start to buy into this idea mm-hmm. of, Hey, I'm not just trying to get people to come to my church to come sit and worship and see how we worship God. Mm-hmm. It's, I want them to meet my family. Yeah. And the moment that we can buy in and get everybody to buy into the idea of, I want my friends, the people in the world who I'm mm-hmm. friends with to come meet my family, my right. religious family, my church family, that changes. Like that's yeah. literally when, Paul and Barnabas were turning the world upside down. Yeah. Because it, it affects so many more people. It's a, can different, it's a different aspect than, you know, it's a different aspect than, than just like, you know, come sit and come worship. You're, you're adding elements that aren't there in worship. You're getting past the small talk stuff that everybody does every Sunday and you're allowing people to connect in a way that's, you know, and that's why I was so adamant about it with the first year I got here. I was like, I want to, I want, I just want, I want to know people. I don't want to like, I don't want to do this small talk thing. Hey, how's it going? You know, oh, it's doing good. No, man. I mean, Justin's my brother. I mean, he's my brother. Like we know each other. We sit and we'll talk. Yeah. We disagree on some stuff. Big deal. Sam, he's my brother. I don't like him very much sometimes, but, <laughs> but he, he is my brother. That guy would do anything for me. Yeah. And, and so, and so. Um, so I, I really want people to be a part of that, you know, more so than I'm concerned about somebody walking in the church building and getting baptized in the baptistry and doing this and doing that, doing all these acts and steps. Those things are important, but they come later, you know, and somebody's got to, somebody's got to be, you know, you've got to, you've got to show them that there is community and connectivity. Yeah. Um, Well, it's one of the beautiful and wonderful byproducts of being a Christian. Yeah. I don't think we should ever prop it up as the goal for being a Christian is, Hey, look at this beautiful family that you get to be part of. It's a absolutely wonderful byproduct, but the number one goal is eternity with God. Um, and along the way, if we get to spend it with a beautiful family, then that's right. And that's, that's what I like. Justin, Justin's point was he was like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what church to go to. 
right? I want you to read the book and figure it out for yourself, yeah. right? Because, you know, essentially it's, yeah, it would be great, but it ultimately this is where their conviction comes, not from me, right? Yep. When they get in this and when they read this and when they digest this, that's where they're convicted, right? Now, you know, they may come to me and ask questions and I may have some influence over them, but I, but ultimately this is where it happens, right? This is where the power is, yeah. not me. Yeah, I love it. Were you going to say something, John? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, well, with the idea that fam- the family isn't the end goal, and I agree with that, but who are we going to be spending eternity with? That family. Yeah. So, uh, it's kind of like, join the join the family now, because, uh, and they're, we're all going to help each other get to the same place. Yeah. So that we can spend eternity together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I think that you, it's extremely difficult to do it on your own. You'd be lucky if you could do it on your own. You know what I mean? Because if you, I mean, right. I always take the example of like uh, when they're, when Moses and them, they're fighting uh, one of the, the first battles that they have when they come out of Egypt and Moses is sitting there and they, he, when he's got the staff raised, right. they're winning. When the staff goes down, they lose, right? And what happens? They get a rock for him to sit on. They help prop up his hands, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't do it on his own. He didn't hold his staff up all by himself. He had people to help him out. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and Christ designed the church for that purpose. Yep. That we uh, that we would bring help each other and and lean on each other. God and bring each other to heaven. Infinite wisdom knew we couldn't do this by ourselves. Yeah, and that's right. a magnificent illustration too, because you think about that's exactly what the church is. We're we're the ones, you know, Jesus is the one holding up the staff and we're the one witnessing to what he's doing mm-hmm. and to what he's done and helping him hold up that staff. Right. Ooh, yeah. Like I like that. That's crazy. Anyways. Well guys. Yeah, I mean it kind of goes like I know that Sorry, I'm not going to drag it on, but it will. I mean, it was like what we talked about the other day. It's like, look, you know, if you're the sniper and I'm not a sniper, mm. I can mm. sure make a bullet for you or I can go make you a sandwich or I could do something to help you out because I know that you're better at it than me, right? Yeah. If you're better at talking to people than me, mm. then I'm going to make right. give you whatever you need to go do that here, whatever. Oh, no. If we start better, talking right? about our talents and our abilities in the church and not burying our talent but putting them to work, we're going to be here for another hour. Well, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it goes back to the point of the church again. Yeah. yeah. The, the yeah, church yeah. is the kingdom of God on earth and we're our purpose is to further the kingdom and we can't do that by ourselves. No, absolutely. A joint effort. And God literally gave every single Christian tools to be a part of that movement. And any Christian that doesn't use those talents, uh, well, we saw what happened to the man who buried his talent. We saw the, the, just how severely he was punished. Look in mind about that is he wasn't just said like oh man shame on you for bearing your talent, he called him a wicked and yeah. evil servant. Right. Whew. Sorry, I'd probably, well, I probably. I mean, I stole, I stole your punchline. Yeah, I think, <laughs> think of how much we're losing by all of these Christians who are Sunday morning only. Mm. Uh, they don't, and you know, I don't. I'm not talking about attendance. I'm talking about uh, people who are consumer Christians. They're Christians mm-hmm. because they're of mm-hmm. their culture around them, and they. They have no interest in in truly furthering the kingdom of God through the gifts that God has given them. Yeah. Oh, man, can I well, tell you my favorite quote of all time? Yeah, go ahead. 
the church <laughs> it comes from 2020 um and again i, I feel like i keep stealing punchlines <laughs> but uh the church it was not built to or the, the the church is not filled should not be filled man i'm butchering the quote now <laughs> but the church uh it was not intended to be filled with uh consumers rather right. contributors yeah um and I, the, there's a longer quote but it basically is talking about like hey we're not supposed to just sit here and watch we're supposed to do yeah well, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, right? In the beginning, whatever you read, where you're going over that, the the order of things. Right. I think there is a truth to that order. And sometimes I feel like, uh, going back to my opinion on the corporate, uh, corporate isms of church, is that there's not a lot of that being pushed, right? Oh, there's yeah. not a lot of people. We're, we're severely right? lacking. In, that was exactly what I was going to say. We're severely lacking in discipleship. Yep. Mm. Severely. Right. Yeah. In, in the United States. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the one we're working on, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it it is because it is a, it is a whole. And then you know, another thing we've talked about in the past too is like what's what's the safety net for people when when we finally do persuade them or they are finally persuaded of the truth and they do commit to Jesus? What's the safety net? Because we don't have one. I mean, you, there are very few churches that have an actual safety net of going, okay, like if this person is, and, and in all reality, that's, that's the elders, right? The elders are the ones who's like, okay, we bring them into the church, but like, you know, elders, you're not, you know, you're not doing your job if you're not chasing after that lost sheep. When it, you're a shepherd. Like yep. you're there's one, exactly. there's one that's that guy. Leave the 99, go get that one. Yeah. yeah. Don't be lackadaisical or lethargic. Your job when you signed up for this was that you were going to go, you were going to, you were going to shepherd the sheep. And so, okay, so what does that look like? Leave the 99 to go get the one. Right. Period. Then, and, and there really is, that's our only safety net and it's not really working. <laughs> you know what? Okay. I, I'm loving this. <laughs> putting that uh, very <laughs> a little aggressive, but that's okay. Putting that very aggressive a statement aside, <laughs> uh, but is it in like the church? In reality, when a person be, enters the church, we need to be doing much better at at discipling them. Yeah, at, yeah, at, yeah. Why don't I, mentoring them? Yeah, no. I right. think I think that's the thing that's missing. Like you said, the the missing element is hey. The person came in, regardless of who brought them in, right? Right, and I think the body should have a, a way of doing. Hey, look, this is this is the steps that you need to take, right? Right, so that we, you can understand what you're believing in. Sure, right. Because sure. it's easy for me to convince you that that you're sick, and I showed you the X-rays, and now I sh- I showed you. Okay, I was sick. Now I understand the cure. I want the cure. Right, mm-hmm. great. But there's more to it. Oh yeah, right. And we can't assume that their attendance and listening to sermons, oh, that'll cover it. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I was I was that was a little aggressive, but to explain why why I said what I said is because is is because there are places where this isn't happening, and there are places where it is happening. Where elders look at themselves as CEOs, I don't have to do anything. I'm a I, I right. make the decisions on the carpet and the painting on the walls, but I don't work with people. And that's not what an elder is. And, and so, yeah, it is a little aggressive, but, you know, and if it does provoke somebody. I'm not saying I, mean, I'm not saying I disagree with it. Come knock on my door. <laughs> yeah. and I, I like to be fun fun painting with Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, um, you're certainly right. Yeah. But. I, I think uh, we, we have to be careful of just uh, categorizing everybody into one category. Yeah, right, right, right. And I should have been a little more clear on what I was saying there. Yeah. No, 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 it's there, fine. There are some ministers that uh, don't do their job that they sure. should be doing. There Absolutely. are some elders that don't do their job they should be doing. There are some deacons. There are some teachers. There are some evangelists. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank. But at the same time, there are some that are. 
Yeah. And there are probably a lot more that are than aren't. Yeah. But, well, that, I, but I, the ones that aren't are like pour the bad name to the ones that are. Yeah. Right. Oh, and so, yeah. so it leaves a bad taste in your mouth and yeah. you're going, okay, it's like, why are you criticizing me for not keeping people in the building yeah. when you're the one not playing your part? Now it's, now it's an us issue and we need to work out, okay, what's the balance? What's the yeah. lateral line we walk on? Because in reality, the biblical model is that we're on a, we all, we're on a lateral line that all plays a part. Yep. Nobody is over me except for Jesus, my head. Right. Amen. And so, and so when I'm working together with the shepherds, there's one thing about our job and it's not I mean, even what, what a, what a beautiful picture. I mean, what, what, what can we accomplish if we didn't look at each other, look down at each other and go, well, you, I hired you. So you got to, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, look, I, look, look, I'm just saying, I'm just saying what I'm thinking because well, you're right. It is. It was a problem. Back, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we're, we're briefly talking about. I hope but, that's not your experience. No, no, no. But, 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 but it has been mine in the past. I think uh, in terms of, like, discussing elders, it's also important to remember the wide range of roles mm. that they've been given. Because while shepherding is one of their roles, it's not the only role. No. You know, they've, they've also been tasked with, with overseeing. Uh, that's why they have so many different names. They're called everything from elder to bishop to deacon. Oh, no, sorry, not deacon. Well, elder to bishop to pastor. It's yeah. um, a structure. To, to shepherd. Yeah. And there's so much in that role. Yeah. Um, but primary teachers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think they're supposed to be the only ones doing all these things. Of course not. Yeah. No. And that's the problem that you you have to have that that uh, that body, right? That's what mm-hmm. the body's there is for all those other things. That's right. And and to just say, oh well, I'm just overwhelmed and I didn't get around to it. Sorry. Uh, then say something, right? If you needed help, why didn't you reach out to somebody who you thought had that talent that could fill in that gap? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anybody's car beeping out there? Or is it, oh, Caleb's getting in his car. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, um, I have self-diagnosed ADHD. Oh, I thought I though. Wait, did you steal that from me? Yeah, I did. is telling people I'm self-diagnosed. I, I really do have ADHD. I was diagnosed with it when I was pretty young. Oh, so, I just yeah. self-diagnosed myself. Yeah, I try to not like myself. myself now, but I have in the past. I I try to keep myself calm with uh, a lot of caffeine. Oh, <sighs> no. But it, it doesn't you, keep me calm now. No, Dude, caffeine. There's a reason I talk fast. Yeah, that's good, man. It's energy, bro. I I don't. People who talk slow put me to sleep, dude. Like it, I would not be even talking near as fast right now if it wasn't for caffeine. Because like Texas time, it's like almost midnight. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. I forgot. I forgot you're from. Te- I keep forgetting you're from Texas. Even though, we- hey, can I give y'all one last analogy? I feel like I've given a lot of analogies. Okay, uh, it's about the church and how the church works with like shepherds and ministers and deacons and all that. Yeah. So it, we're gonna use the the flock and the shepherd, which mm-hmm. you know is biblical um, but uh elders they're the shepherds duh obviously the members are the sheep obviously the deacons are the sheep dogs they're the ones that like you know they're they're attending to the physical needs mm-hmm. the, the elders are t- attending to the spiritual needs the deacons are attending to the physical needs that's what they were there for that's what they were set up for in acts okay. um and then the ministers the grass oh <laughs> we're feeding the church man i don't know if i like that you don't like that no, I like the sheep. I want to be a sheep. I mean, I not always sold. No, not, yeah, no. I mean, I I always heard it the opposite way. Like I always heard like like you know there there's the 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 work is like 
the elders are the shepherds, the preachers are the sheepdogs, right? Like we're the yep. one keeping the we're the one keeping, you know, we're not feeding the grass is God, right? For all I okay, grass is right? God's word, yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. the grass is yeah. like that's what they're eating on, but we're just keeping them like in the circle in together. Ah, okay. There you go. I like that. Talk. I like that to you know, green grass. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to like buy it there. Totally it's not my analogy. It's not my favorite analogy, but it's just another one of later for it. So who's supposed to be able to tell go back to this podcast now? So I'm just saying, oh, not Nick guy, he ruined my analogy. Hey, I've got plenty more where that came from. Yeah. So my question is then, then who's the one that's supposed to point out who's the, sh- who's the wolf in sheep's clothing? Shepherds. The shepherd. The shepherd is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we read in Acts, some of the shepherds are wolves in sheep's clothing. What you read in Timothy, some of the shepherds are. Yeah. yeah. Alexander and Hymenaeus at the end of First Timothy chapter one. Yep. They were pointed out. Yep. They were, they were called out for their, for their shortcomings and be oh, yeah. devoted to. I mean, as Paul was leaving the church in Ephesus, he was like, hey, some of you are going to rise up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, promote falsehood. Yeah. And he's crying as he's saying it. It's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. But uh, hey, it's been good, man. I've been really enjoyed this talk. Thank you guys for coming on so last minute. Um, we're very appreciative of that. Uh, thank you, thank for you Justin, me. for like taking time out of your day because I know this is a last minute thing for you oh, no, as well. Fun. But I got this idea. I was like, dude, we can knock three out in a week. Let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> thanks for having us on. It, Absolutely, it's been a man. Fantastic weekend. I yeah. it. Yeah, it was good to meet you, man. I uh, hope we continue to talk and, and have these discussions, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on another episode have at cool. some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you too, John. Um, I already said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the back pew. Pew, pew, pew.